In this world, you will have trouble. Anybody experienced the truth of that statement? I, I assume even the chuckles mean yes. Uh, it, was, it was spoken by Jesus to his disciples the night he was betrayed. And as John records it, it's the last thing that Jesus told them before he prayed for them and then led them to the Garden of Gethsemane where he would be arrested and taken into custody. The full statement, though, is important. Jesus said, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. As we wrap up our Summer in the Psalms this morning, uh, we're turning our attention to Psalm 141, a psalm by King David, which is a prayer about staying close to God. As we face trouble in this world, we call out to God and we say, help me, just like David does in this psalm. We seek his direction, his guidance, his involvement, not just in spiritual things, but in all things, in daily things. So let's turn our attention to Psalm 141 this morning. I call to you, Lord. Come quickly to me. Hear me when I call to you. May, may my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not let my heart be drawn to what is evil, so that I take part in wicked deeds. Along with those who are evildoers, do not let me eat their delicacies. Let a righteous man strike me, that is a kindness. Let him rebuke me, that is oil on my head. My head will not refuse it, for my prayer will still be against the deeds of evildoers. Their rulers will be thrown down from the cliffs, and the wicked will learn that my words were well spoken. They will say, as one plows and breaks up the earth, so our bones have been scattered at the mouth of the grave. But my eyes are fixed on you, sovereign Lord. In you I take refuge. Do not give me over to death. Keep me safe from the traps set by evildoers, from the snares they have laid for me. Let the wicked fall into their own nets while I pass by in safety. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you this morning and... In this world, we do have trouble, and we need your help. So we call out to you, as David did, and say, Lord, hear our prayer and come quickly to help us. Let our prayer be before you, uh, inescapable, like the pleasant aroma of incense that it would just always be before you. Come and move among us. Father God, we pray this morning that as we reflect on this prayer that you inspired David to pray and have offered us, we pray that you would help us learn about 
you and how you come to our aid and what tools you've given us to get through the trouble that we face. We pray this in Jesus' name. We pray that you'd speak to us, guide us, and move among us. Amen. So as uh, we reflect on this psalm, uh, we're going to take key parts of David's prayer and reflect on what it tells us about how God wants to do these things by guarding our mouths and keeping us from evil. And as I've been reflecting on it, I think a lot of what we're invited the way that we're invited to turn to God and rest in him is rooted in truth. Not, not just truth versus lies, fact and fiction, but ultimate truth, absolute truth, truth about God and truth from God. And so as we walk through this prayer first, we see that speaking truth combats evil. It's not obvious in the prayer, but it's, it's true. Satan is a liar and the father of lies. He wants to deceive us and trick us. And, the things that, and we think in words. And so even the things that we think can be tools of Satan to distract us, to turn us toward a different path in our thoughts and our attitudes and in our actions. And so when we anchor ourselves in truth and remind ourselves of who God is and what he's said to us and what he's done for us, then we guard and protect ourselves and we shine light in the darkness that Satan is trying to spread everywhere. So we want to speak truth in a variety of ways. So where does the speaking truth come from? Uh, David's first prayer, uh, the first part of his prayer, he says, I call to you, Lord, come to me quickly. Hear me when I call to you. May my prayer be set before you like incense. Uh, and I don't know if you burn incense at your house. Uh, it's against the rules in my house. Uh, but I do have a child who loves to try to do it anyway when she thinks I won't be home. Um, but the thing about incense, and so I don't love incense. Candles are pleasant, subtle, but incense is this overwhelming scent, and it just drives me crazy. So, um, so if you want to drive me crazy, now you know how. Um, but... Uh, but biblically speaking, incense is a pleasant aroma. But the power of it is kind of the image here. That may my prayer be set before you like incense. That it's just inescapable. It's enveloping. May it be ever, may you always be aware, Lord, of my prayer. I offer it to you as I would offer my offering in the evening sacrifice. But then King David begins his prayer. And he says, set a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. We want to 
be careful to speak truth. Because speaking truth combats evil. And we want to speak truth in a number of areas. And the first one is we want to speak truth about ourselves. One of the most significant attacks that Satan offers us is to twist our thinking about ourselves. To believe things about who we are and what we are that are different than what God thinks and says. The first question in the catechism says, what are God's thoughts of you? And the answer is, God's thoughts of you are thoughts of blessing and love. It's actually love and blessing, but that's how the words came to me. Um, I've shared it before, but my junior year of college, uh, I had this cathartic moment all my life, and still I struggle with it today. Um, when I make mistakes, I say, oh, I'm an idiot. Or I hate myself is actually what I said in college. Um, and sometimes if you ask the office staff, you know that I still sometimes say, I'm a terrible person. And in lots of ways that's true. But, um, but still I'm here and God has called me to share things with you. So you can trust what I say. Um, but in college, as I was scolding myself and saying, I hate myself because I was, I spilled something while I was at work or whatever it was. It didn't have to be meaningful. I was convicted by the fact that I was telling myself something that God didn't believe about me. I hate myself. Well, that's not what God thinks of me. Why would I, why would I tell myself something that God doesn't believe is true? And so I started to change my self-talk and say, I love myself when I made a mistake. And it made me laugh because I knew it absolutely wasn't true. I didn't believe that I loved myself. But it was still a statement rooted in truth because I knew I was lovable. Because that's what God thought of me. And over time, and it didn't take that long, it was powerful to see how that one statement rooted in truth gave me the ability to offer grace to myself and root my identity in what God said instead of my circumstances or my own opinion of myself. The statement on the screen says, speak truth about ourselves. That's important, uh, and that was the example I just gave, but it's also important for us to speak truth to ourselves. You know, my kids have often had struggles at night where they woke up from a bad dream and they just couldn't escape the images in it. Or they just couldn't get to sleep and it just was making them so anxious because they knew they were going to be tired tomorrow and they just didn't want to be tired all day in school. Whether they like school or not, they didn't want to be tired all day and not pay attention. Um, so oftentimes, and every time I said it, it was like they, were, they heard it for the first time and never, uh, so I don't know if I was really good at it, but um, 
But oftentimes we return to Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, where it says, think about things that are noble and pure and right and beautiful and good. And the idea wasn't shame on you for being so overwhelmed by this darkness in your dream. The idea was God invites us to take every thought captive. And right now there's this dark thought and it keeps just oppressing you. But you're not a victim of it. Like you, you, by God's grace, have strength to turn your mind's attention to something else. And so we can use the truth that God has given us and say, okay, God has given me the power to shine light in this darkness. And I don't have to just make this darkness beautiful. I can turn my attention to something totally different. Although uh, sometimes the strategy was think of something really scary in the dream and then make it silly. But sometimes the best strategy is to not think about that dream anymore and instead think about things that are, are just fun and engaging, things that you love, gifts that God has given you or that you've enjoyed with your family, things that are good and true and right and noble, things of attributes of God. Just spend some time saying, God, I know you are truth. I know you are powerful. I know you are with me. And it doesn't take long on that list to have the darkness from the dream start to fade into the distance and to find security and safety in the truth of God. Speaking truth combats evil, and we want to speak truth about ourselves and to ourselves. We also want to speak truth about God. Now, we're wrapping up a series in the Psalms, and we've learned throughout the Psalms that we have the freedom to say things to God that are honest and emotional that may not be true. We can even accuse him of things that aren't actually true of him. And he can handle it. But we offer that so that in doing so, in having this conversation with God, we can open the door for him to speak into us and reveal what's true of him and what's true of our situation. So in, in the heat of the moment, I might think, like we read last week in Psalm 22, God has abandoned me and has left me alone in this trouble. But it's important that we offer that as an honest expression to the Lord, but that we also hear the truth from his word that he has promised to be with us always to the very end of the age that he would never leave us or forsake us. That as we are his children, that we're trusting in Jesus, he is always with us so much so that his Holy Spirit, who gave Jesus the strength to rise from the dead, lives inside us. He is not far from us. If we don't, if we're not willing to express honestly our emotions, but then hear the truth about who God is and what he's done and what he's doing, and allow that to correct our perspective on who God is, then sometimes we start to believe lies 
about God. Things that aren't true. And it affects our attitude toward him and sometimes our attitude toward other people and certainly it can affect our behavior. And so while the Psalms make it clear that we have the freedom to express our emotions before God and let it be raw and it doesn't have to be correct and we don't have to pass the test with what we say. At the same time, we want to do that so that we can have a conversation with God, lay those things at his feet and let him move in and remind us of truth and anchor us in that. So we want to say and believe true things about God. We want to be in his word. We want to be talking with other people and we want to know what's real not just what we feel. We also want to speak truth about others. Again, I've said it before. Uh, there's a reason I don't have a little ichthus Christian fish on my car because as angry as I get as other drivers, I don't want them to think it's when it's, when it's me making them angry, I don't want them to blame Jesus. Um, no offense to those of you who have that. It's great. It's still an encouragement to me. It's just the reason I don't have one. <laughs> we want to speak truth about others. Whether they're people in our lives, people in the public arena, or people driving cars right in front of us, um, it can be easy to react to the things that they say and do and call them names, associate them th with things that are not their identity. They're not a jerk. They may have done a jerky thing right now, but they may have also had a really good reason, or just they were clueless about it. They didn't do it to me, cut me off, and then slow down. Um, because yes, while I try to drive close to the speed limit, I drive with the purpose to get where I'm going just like I walk down the hall. Um, but at any rate, <laughs> just in case any of you have seen me, Augie always tells me I need roller skates. Um, I'm not sure that would help. <laughs> uh, I just have more accidents. Um, but when somebody cuts me off in traffic or I'm watching the news and I hear somebody say something that I just think is ridiculous. It's important that I don't associate my reaction to them with their identity. Because the truth is, as much as they might annoy me, or to be truth, more truthful and accurate, as much as I may be annoyed by them, they are people made by God, loved by God, that Jesus wants to save. They might know that, or they might not, but Jesus loves them. And whatever my attitude toward them might be, it should be shaped by the truth of that statement. Now, they might be a risky, dangerous person for me, and I might need to make space so that I don't come into contact with them a lot but I shouldn't assume things or say things about them that God doesn't believe are true. Just like I shouldn't do that for myself. Speaking the truth combats evil. Satan is the liar and the father of lies. 
in much of the darkness and deception that he spent, that he spreads, is affected by the things that we believe, the things that we think and say and repeat to each other and repeat to ourselves that are not anchored in the truth that God speaks. And so we guard our, so we pray that God would guard our mouths, that the things we say to ourselves and to other people and about God would be anchored and shaped by his truth. And just a, I hope a quick aside, truth is a concept that's a little fuzzy for us these days. In our postmodern world, it's very easy to accept postmodern assumptions about truth. That truth is tribal, temporary, personal. Um, we hear a lot about my truth in our society. And it affects even things like having conversations about daily events and somebody might respond by saying, what news are you listening to? You must be listening to the wrong people. And it's important for us as believers to recognize that that is not a biblical version of truth. That's a postmodern version of truth. Where truth is only true if it's spoken by someone I trust or it's only true if it's spoken by somebody who agrees with me. In the biblical version of truth, truth is true whether we like it or not. And so we need to be careful. And we're talking about even deeper things, like I said, not just truth or fiction, but we're talking about what has God said and who has he revealed himself to be? What does scripture say? And so we want to anchor ourselves in truth and we want to speak those truths. Next, uh, David says, Do not let my heart be drawn to what is evil, so that I take part in wicked deeds along with those who are evildoers. Do not let me eat their delicacies. Let a righteous man strike me, that is a kindness. Let him rebuke me, that is oil on my head. My head will not refuse it. For my prayer will still be against the deeds of evildoers. So if someone who's righteous and loves me and loves the Lord and speaks truth into me and it's painful, I will not pray against them. I will still only pray against those who are doing evil and fighting against the Lord. Receiving truth is a blessing. It's a blessing for us to hear the word of God and to grow in it. To be corrected by it, rebuked by it, trained up in it, strengthened by it. It's a blessing to hear the truth. And so David prays, he says, help, me, help my heart not be tempted to go the way of evildoers. I don't even want to taste their delicacies because there are so many things in our troubled world that seem like we can achieve a reward more quickly, more easily, if we go a path that God has not laid out for us. But look, it's working so well for them. It's just the way everybody does it at work these days. Or at school. Or on the playground. 
we want to be very careful that we don't just drift into the pathways of the world. And receiving truth is a blessing, being corrected by that and challenged by people who know the Lord and love us to say, you may not want to hear this, but I'm not sure that's a good idea. Again, in our society, it's easy to get offended and we choose sides and pick battles and form tribes all over the place. And if you're not nice to me, then you can't be in my tribe anymore. And that's not the way the family of God works. And so, as we hear, as we have these conversations, the truth invites us to have conversations. We may disagree. We may not see it the same way. We might start kind of from a defensive posture. And we might respond and say, I'm not sure you're right about me. Help me understand what you see so we can talk through it. I can learn. Because the truth invites us to be humble. Because we know the truth tells us our righteous acts are like filthy rags compared to the holiness and righteousness of God. Even when we're doing it well, it's tainted by sin and our whole perspective is tainted by sin. And the world encourages that all the time. So we always have to be humble and open to the fact that we might need correction. And just because it hurts doesn't mean it's wrong. Receiving truth is a blessing. We want to be corrected. We want to let go of the things that hinder us and we want to turn more fully to the Lord and to his truth and let that fill us and strengthen us. We don't want to be tempted by the ways of the world. And it, it's important to note that David says, let a righteous man strike me. It's figurative language. We're not actually supposed to hit each other. Um, and it's not a blessing when we do. But to be corrected, rebuked when we're wrong. I remember a time... Uh, when I was working with high school students years ago, and uh, a mom of a different student came to me and said, you know, my daughter came home and told me this story about this experience they had with this student that you're spending a lot of time with uh, that wasn't doing great things at prom. Uh, it was clear that they had been doing some things that they, hadn't, they shouldn't have been doing and I kind of wrestled with, like, can I use this hearsay to directly talk to this student about things that I don't know if they were true? But I felt like I needed to have the honest conversation, at least open the door so that this person could be honest with me if they needed to be. Years later, that student <laughs> came back and said, you know, that one time you met me in the youth room and you asked me that question, it, was a, it helped me turn a corner in my life because I, I was starting to drift 
and I realized that's not where I wanted to go. Uh, he said, I'm, I'm sure that was really hard for you, but God really used it, and it really mattered. It's not easy for us to speak those things to each other, and it's certainly not easy to receive them. But if we're trusting God to guard our mouths so that we say the things that are based in truth and not just our reactions to the behaviors and things that we see, then we want to follow God's lead and speak truth into people's lives, at least where we have that, that permission. And we want to be humble in receiving that truth and trust God to guide us through that. So we want to open up conversations and not just react. As David closes his prayer, he says, Keep me safe from the traps set by evildoers, from the snares they have led, laid for me. Let the wicked fall into their own nets while I pass by in safety. But my eyes are fixed on you, sovereign Lord, and you I take refuge. Do not give me over to death. Living truth anchors us. It's one thing to know it, and it can correct our thoughts. But if we actually allow the truth of God to sink into us, to become part of us, to guide and direct us, to apply it to the ways that we live and not just the ways that we relate to him or the things that we say in Bible study. Living truth anchors us. It protects us. It guards us. You know, Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. We all experience that. He said, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And he said that on the night he was betrayed. So he hadn't even finished it yet, but he knew he was overcoming the world. But the truth is, he spoke it, and I'm not sure if there were other people in the room, but we know that at least 11 of the disciples were there. The 12th had already left. Judas had left to go do his thing. But of those 11 disciples that Jesus was speaking to that night, 10 of them were executed for their faith. One of them, they tried to execute him, but it didn't work, so they let him die in exile. It's easy for us to look at the promises of God and think we're supposed to experience all that here and now. And when we don't, when we experience trouble, we think, what is God doing to me? Why has he left me alone in this trouble? But when we're anchored in truth, when we're anchored in the promises of God and we know that he loves us and he's with us and that Jesus has rescued us from our own sin, which is our biggest problem, He's rescued us from Satan who can affect us but has no power over us. He's rescued us from the brokenness of the world and from death. We have 
life that will not end. And the glory of God and the promises he's given us are not measured by our experience in this moment, but they are measured by the wonder of eternity as he sets us free from the trouble of the world because he has overcome the world. The 11 disciples who fought for their lives to defend their faith Though they faced the wickedness and the trouble of the world, they faced it with confidence and peace because they were anchored in the truth of who God is, what he's done, and what he said. And we can do the same. As we anchor ourselves in the truth of who God is, what he's done, and what he says, we can endure all the trouble of the world knowing that it's true that Jesus has overcome the world. And we will get through this. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you We need you. We echo David's prayer and we say, Lord, hear our prayer and come quickly to our aid. You know the trouble that we're facing. As a people and as individuals, as families, we have struggles. We face trouble. It's real and it's painful and it's hard and it's confusing. And so we pray for your help. We pray that you would bring us through it, carry us through it, rescue us from it. We pray that you would hold us tight in the midst of it. Pray that you would speak your truth over us and in us. That we would be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That though you know everything we've ever done, you love us and you died to rescue us. And you're enough. We can trust you and you'll get us through it. So Father God, we pray that you'd move in us. We pray that you'd rescue us. We pray that you'd be near us and help us experience it. We pray that you would give us faith to believe your truth, that you would correct the lies that we've believed, that you would draw us close to you and hold us tight. In Jesus' name, amen.